Hello, and welcome back to ADD News. Back with us again, we have, for the moment, our good friend, Derek. Hello, Derek. Derek, how you feeling? How you feeling after our last... Rufus, uh... I don't even know you. <laughs> it's part of the show, man. It's part of the show. No, I'm doing good. Thanks. thanks. You, uh... One of the hosts, good friend, Derek, and now my mortal enemy. My name is, as always, <laughs> that's not really... What's what, a weird uh, name? Rufus. <laughs> Marcus is also our other host. He's cool, too. I might. This is part two of insert episode number here. We're Ten? episode eight right now, eight? technically, because because uh, I don't count each part as a separate episode. So it's yeah, that's two, fair. Part one and two of episode seven. Part one and two of episode. It eight. feels like a lot more. Well, yeah, because then we got Ryan's research, and I didn't count those yeah. either as a unique episode. So we definitely got a ton. I, I think a- we've got a published like. 12 13 episodes but we have like eight two hbo series worth of like information and audio out there yeah um, that's that's good derek's back for part two of episode eight apparently i think you're gonna derek's not gonna he's back apparently here, right? but it's apparently episode eight yeah. <laughs> apparently he's back in the last 15 minutes since we were recording <laughs> Actually, you did not um, take the intermission to go to the bathroom. Yeah, so. I was just about to say, I, survival of the finish, like we were talking about, those birds. I didn't take <laughs> a, a single bathroom break. Yeah, stronger man than I. I had to pee so bad. Just just pissing my <laughs> pants like an adult. Little piss boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Derek, why don't you share with us what you brought to the table today? Yeah, so just a kind of collection of thoughts, but listen to the podcast that you know, the last few episodes that I have, it's always boggled me because of kind of like how we were talking in the last episode about how conservatives and Republicans actively go against their own, you know, best interest or even business owners going against their own best interest. It just boggles my mind how I've held quite a few like service and labor jobs in my time. I'm not nearly as intelligent as Marcos. I didn't go to college or frat. So I'm so fraternities. Dumber homes of wisdom. I think this is the first time our audience has been informed that I was wearing Greek letters at some point in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And there goes every one of our viewers. Yeah. Listeners. (laughs) Listeners. But yeah, no, I've had a lot of experience with like, you know, labor jobs, working outdoors, stuff like that. And typically those jobs attract certain kinds of people. And I've worked in jobs that are predominantly male dominated which unfortunately is you know pretty average but this is the first time that i've worked like a desk job a good while and worked with significantly more female staff but it always boggles my mind when you talk to the average person and you just have to scratch your head about like how how is it that you you know just your everyday working class person you know just wants to support these policies that benefit the Jeff Bezos and the Trumps and all these elite people. They always talk about the coastal elite liberals and they don't realize that the people that they look up to, you know, again, the Donald Trumps are part of that too. They may just not be part of the Democratic Party, but anymore. (laughs) I think Trump was pretty much a Democrat for most of his life till he ran. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I remember having a discussion one point when I was working for the city of Corpus Christi and there was a guy, an older guy there. He would always read the newspaper and he'd always get all outraged about stuff going on. He was going on and on about how expensive healthcare is and how 
Obama just screwed it up with Obamacare. And I remember telling him, I was like, dude, that's actually Rick Perry. That's actually Texas. Obama. And part of, you know, I said the Affordable Care Act was compromised to get health care out and more, you know, accessible and more affordable. And it wasn't, it, it was heavily compromised throughout the process to be able to be passed. But at the end of the day, states were offered additional assistance to provide affordable health care. And a lot of your hardcore Republican states, Texas obviously being one of them, basically just told them that their citizens can either pull themselves up by the bootstraps or die. And the way God intended. And if you're not wearing boots, why are you even in Texas? Yeah, and he was shocked when I told him. I was like, hey, my mom, that was obviously before I moved to New York. I was like, my mom lives in New York. And I was like, she's low income. So she qualifies for, you know, subsidized free health care. And she had a minor stroke. She went to the, you know, ER and they told her, hey, you, you basically had a, like a stroke. And she was able to get all of her, like her operation on her neck and all that stuff. All the doctor's visits were all covered. She didn't have to worry about it, the cost of going to get herself taken care of. And she told me during that process, she was like, if I had stayed in Texas, I would be dead by now because I wouldn't be able to afford going to the doctors to get this, you know, to get checked out. I wouldn't want to call, you know, 911 or anything like that to go get seen. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of blown away. He was just like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more nuance to it. I don't understand. But in Texas, we would have that opportunity to but they don't want to accept the federal funds, but they're more than yeah. happy to accept the federal funds when it's hurricane season and they need FEMA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they in fact demand it, even though they'll try to block aid to California when there's a fire every time Houston goes underwater once a year, they, they're first in line for the federal aid. Houston actually belongs to the Gulf. I don't know why <laughs> they built a city there. It was, yeah, a testament to uh, Houston was hubris. stolen from Poseidon directly, much yeah, like it was, Prometheus uh, in the fire. Dragged out of Atlantis. I and feel now it's just that, trying to return. I feel like, Why I feel like so the humid. irony is lost, considering how of a state Texas is, that the irony is lost on the residents there that Houston is just basically like a modern day Tower of Babel. Like, <laughs> we're going to spy God by building this on a bayou. Next to the uh, yeah, in a in a bowl, <laughs> yeah, in a flood basin, and it's gonna be obscenely hot and humid. And then we're gonna headquarter oil companies here too, <laughs> to increase the heat and humidity over time. And uh, yeah, all it takes is oh, a light drizzle. My to go car is underwater now. <laughs> Hopefully, I can get into Joel Osteen's church for a refuge. <laughs> 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 Ugh. But yeah, no, it's just. Uh, it, the I feel that the what I've always long wondered is how to make more people aware of these talking points that media and conservatives use to sway them from making decisions and from voting in their best interest. Now, obviously, their best interest isn't always in a lie with the Democratic Party, but. But it certainly will never be with the Republican Party. Exactly, exactly. In that, the if if we could build that kind of solidarity and that class consciousness of like, hey, 
you know, I think that a lot of times the socialist ideology is viewed by the working class as kind of like a snobbery or an elitism or something that's just for universities or doesn't work in any kind of real practice. Yeah, but that will give government social like socialist cuts to, you know, Elon Musk or whatever. Yeah, socialism for the rich. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, like that was, again, to kind of tie back to that story about like Rick, Rick Perry, you know, not accepting the federal funds for the Affordable Health Care Act. It's crazy because if it's like we're the only developed country that doesn't have a form of universal health care. Yeah, the only one. Yeah. Yep. And but the people that are touting all the crazy socialism, you know, bad, all of that kind of stuff, all the politicians they have. Healthcare access they have. Oh, they have incredible health Yeah, exactly. And they have all these benefits, but then they're at the very top telling the people on the bottom, like, hey, this is bad. Don't do this. Don't do this. While they benefit from, you know, structures that are similar to what we could hope to bring to everyday people. Yeah, they're perfectly fine when they increase their own salary, even though that comes from taxpayers' pockets. But when taxpayers are starving or homeless, all of a sudden it's not everybody else's responsibility to pay for your assistance. Oh, you want to be able to afford to feed your family? You should change careers. Yeah, yeah. There's this sense of like personal responsibility of the situation and. I remember at the beginning of COVID hoping and thinking that that would kind of be a wake up call. And I think it has been for some people, for some, but just hoping that, you know, we would see more government aid because of there's not an, there's not a whole lot an individual can do in the face of pandemic. You can try to stay healthy and you can try to take care of your family and your loved ones and yourself, but you can't really effectively combat the you know covid and the economy and everything on your own everyone should have had eight 12 months of salary saved up uh-huh. right just like how all these companies that go under yeah just have... like the even though airlines are out here charging me 30 bucks to put my bag on an empty cargo container that's built for bags they immediately go you know under and ask for federal aid as soon as, as people stop flying for like and one day. And then use that federal aid to buy back their own stock instead of taking care of their own employees. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just, it's it's ridiculous because it's like, I feel like once you see through that, it just, that's, I, feel, I guess I just feel like that that's the, that's the easiest point of entry yeah. to disillusion and people from that kind of worldview. And, it just, it, it, in my experience, it's so hard to talk to people in an effective manner when they're so entrenched into, you know, these regressive ideologies. And I guess I just always wondered in my, in my, you know, experience with work and everything, how to effectively communicate these things. And I, I was thinking about when I reached out to Marcos, it was during the time of the, the Frito-Lay strike. And uh, I'd actually worked for uh, for Pepsi for a little bit before my current job. And just seeing, like, the, seeing the bladed disregard that, like, PepsiCo had for their employees and how they spun everything to be anti-union. I worked at a facility that was non-union. And, like, everything that I kept on hearing, 
I went to orientation in Buffalo, which was union. And it's like me being non-union, it was almost like this sense of like, oh, you don't have to pay union dues and you don't have to do all this kind of stuff. And I was like seriously thinking, I might just move to Buffalo or to Albany that's union because I want a piece of that. But <laughs> it's yeah. so sad to see how weak unions are nowadays. And right. that even with a union, with like with the free delay strike, even with a union, the best thing that they got was a guaranteed day off. Right. Jesus. And like yeah, the a only little bit of unions that are doing anything are police unions and all they're doing is getting murderers off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's wild because of like over during my time with Pepsi, it was ridiculous. Like I was basically told in the interview process that, oh, yeah, it's a 40 hour a week job. You know, it's four days on, three days off, three days in a row. Cool. Sweet. You know, coming from pest control, I was working at Terminex at the time. And I remember right before my daughter was born, I pulled 75 hours in a week one time, which I think was my record and just wanted to be home more. I was like, yeah, I'll work, you know, have three days off. Cool. And, you know, it was just basically being sold in the interview. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to start no later than 7 a.m. OK, that's fine. You know, I'm used to being up early. You know, you do this, we send you to these stores, you merchandise and put out the, the product and all this kind of stuff. And then when I got out of training, I think there was one day that, or one week that I worked like 55 hours in four days. I would go in at like 4 a.m. And I would work my ass off trying to do everything the way that I was trained to do. And then I, you know, I get a store that would call on and complain about me being late and they would be like hey you need to start earlier so i'd start like 3 a.m oh 2 a.m sometimes just to try to like get to stores before they open so i could get a head start on you know doing the work and a lot of times i would work from like 4 or 5 a.m to like i remember there's times that i wouldn't get out of work till like 9 p.m and have to drive home and just the amount of like disregard had for my personal time was insane and how fast like I realized like oh they told me this in the interview and now it's actually more like this and I remember one time I was told to I take I, I took a restroom break and in between stores and so they could see that I was checked out of one store but I wasn't checked in another and basically, I was told by a supervisor, like, hey, like, were you, like, what was going on? I noticed you had 26 minutes in between these stores, like, what blah, blah, blah. Holy shit. And I'm like, oh, I stopped for a restroom Jesus. break. And they're like, oh, were you in the restroom, like, uh, for, for 26 minutes? And I was like, yeah, like, I went into a corner store. I went to the restroom. I got, you know, Dunkin' Donuts that was right there. You know, I grabbed a quick coffee and, you know, some breakfast. And I was on my way. And she was like, for 26 minutes? And I was like, yeah, I have digestive issues. Like, I don't need to explain this to you. But yeah, I was, you know, I had to go to the bathroom. I was pooping, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And and she goes, shit. you want to come wipe me? Yeah, for <laughs> real. And she basically told me, well, next time you think that you need to take a while in the restroom, please clock out. You shouldn't be taking that long oh, of a restroom break on off. PepsiCo's oh, payroll. God. And I'm like, who the hell are you that you care so much about PepsiCo's payroll. I understand, you know, if I clocked in and I didn't do 
any of my services and I clocked out and I was like, I'm good. No, they, yeah, yeah, you were actually like, like steal it, like, you know, time theft or whatever. But like, that's not, especially if you're working 16 hours, like what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Jesus. And, and how just dare how, you have a biological function on company time? Pretty much. And like, just how, how much they had a culture of like constantly watching those things. I mean, they would it wasn't, that was the only like real excessive encounter I had, but that was because of, I was checked out from my services. You know, they'd sometimes come by the stores and stuff like that, but it was just like, you know, I felt like it was this environment of people constantly trying to kind of one up each other and like tattle whenever they would go to stores and they would be like, oh, this merchandiser didn't do this display or blah, blah, blah. And it was just such a hostile environment. And, you know, I remember one of the sales managers, he was given a presentation and he like introduced himself and he said, this is my role. And he's like, my job here is to job here is to grow profit and revenue for PepsiCo's shareholders. And I'm like, that's such a up your ass way to describe that you're a sales manager. Like we understand at the end of the day, you're coming in to build profit for the company. Like, I don't think Pepsi's that's all anybody's function yeah. is really. to just hang out here that's and the like company's function is to generate money. profit. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, <laughs> that's such an up your ass way to like think and to present yourself. And that's when I really kind of like realized that that was the culture as far as like the management goes. They don't, you know, a lot of times management tries to be friendly with you or tries to be approachable or anything like that. And it was more mm-hmm. of like a hey, we're here to make money, which is fine to a degree. But when PepsiCo had, like, at least in, I I'm, I can't recall if it was in our region or if it was nationwide, but during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic in 2020, PepsiCo was constantly, constantly doing better than Coca-Cola, which was obviously its main competitor. And both Coca-Cola and PepsiCo were having tons and tons of profit coming in from the pandemic from people buying you know more sodas and chips and all that kind of stuff that they sell and being home more and the the point being is that they're not hurting but they're not yeah. spreading that around that's like amazon jeff bezos during the pandemic the first several months made so much money in like additional revenue that he could have given every single Amazon employee a hundred thousand dollar bonus for Christmas and instead and and still had as much wealth as when the pandemic started just from the profits of the pandemic and instead he you know hired Pinkertons to make sure that they weren't unionizing and and was denying sick leave and yeah and say or at sick pay or sick leave and, and hazard pay and all that like with it like it's weird that they don't protect employees like at all anymore (laughs) yeah it it really is and when you think about it i mean obviously there's a lot of costs that businesses incur but you would imagine that a pretty substantial if not the biggest cost most companies have is payroll is employees and it just seems like don't you want to isn't it better for you to protect your your assets I guess, or your investments and protect your employees and keep them happy. And isn't it better for the company if employees stay longer? Thing, but yeah, and make a little bit more, you know. You see, yeah, you think cost of training and hiring someone to manage yeah, training. Yeah. 
Especially... No, you just uh, use a temp agency and just fire and hire them as you need to. Yeah. yeah Always new bodies to throw in the grinder. Yeah. And uh, but then complain of that nobody wants to work at Abor once everybody gets fed up with being treated like that and call everybody lazy for your staffing right. issues. Exactly. And like that's um, the thing that I've gotten so mad about with like the pandemic. People like basically shaming other people for staying home and being safe and taking unemployment. It's like you don't know other people's lives. And trust me, like people that are taking unemployment aren't your problem they're not the problem of right <laughs> what you're what you're facing you know i understand it's discouraging when you make too much money that you don't qualify for you know certain benefits that people with lower incomes qualify for or if you're having a you know if you have a job and your health care is tied to that and you can't just take unemployment what? Other people aren't your enemy. Like other people that are struggling aren't your enemy. Yeah, but it's like think struggling if we did all of people these in poverty benefits. aren't holding back society. Yeah, yeah. I think if <laughs> like all of these temporary relief things that we're doing for COVID was just expanded and permanent, and it applied to more and more people, and I think that that's really the heart of what I'm passionate about is to help people understand and realize that like working class is a broad term and is broad class and that encompasses professionals and you know fast food employees that encompasses everybody that exchanges their labor for wages and that the hostility you see towards service employees and towards people you know fast food employees the whole $15 an hour thing and people being like oh you're getting paid $15 an hour to flip burgers and if we could find a way to build bridge there to have dignity and respect for everybody's profession for, you know, jobs in general and help realize that how do we live in a system that benefits the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk's and all these, you know, crazy billionaires. But there are so many people that while I'm sure most people in Western society are doing significantly better than people in, you know, the global South, there's still a huge disparity in the richest country in the history of the earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a massive disparity. Like I, the, I won't ever forget that the fact that right as the pandemic was starting, I remember reading that our wealth inequality in the United States then, and it's worse now, was actually worse than the adjusted income inequality in France just before the French Revolution. <laughs> yeah so the the thing that happened in france that caused them to start cutting people's heads off is actually worse for us now than it was for them then and that that's just ridiculous and let know, that just... be a warning sign all of our billionaire listeners why do you think the billionaires are going to space guillotines need gravity to work <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, oh goodness. <laughs> great yeah it's just it, it it's just we'll I use guess... propulsion it's fine yeah, that's the thing that just like just drove driven me crazy is just to see that kind of divide in the working class and to and like I remember when I was working in pest control, I would follow you know YouTube content creators that ran their own companies and I'd follow them for like you know tips and advice and stuff like that on the job to try to do my job better, and you know I constantly hear the stuff about. 
oh, the Bernie Sanders, you know, want the business owners to pay more taxes and blah, 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 all this. And I'm thinking to myself, no, like you're, you, even though you own a business, you own a pest control company, you're not a business you're owner the, in the sense. You're not the threat. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're making maybe a few, few hundred thousand a year. Right. As a company. And even like I said earlier, like movie stars with millions and tens of millions still aren't even the problem because it's not about egalitarianism. It's about making the billionaires pay their fair share. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just this notion that the left is out for, you know, your money and your tax revenue. Yeah. That people, yeah, that the left six figures think that everybody's coming the- for their money. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, you're making like six working figures, class in people. the grand scheme of it, you're still ridiculously poor in the grand scheme of, you know, we're talking about billionaire class. Right. And you're so much closer to those burger flippers and those ditch diggers that you constantly talk bad about than you realize. Than you are to Jeff Bezos, yeah. <laughs> and I can't, like, I can't even fathom seeing some of the kids that we grew up with have kids. It's like as a parent, you know, with my screaming baby in the background, I don't hold the disillusionment that, oh, maybe one day she can be, you know, a Jeff Bezos or something. It's like if I knew that we lived in a society that her chances of having a good, happy, healthy existence in a fair world was greater But I'd have to forfeit her opportunity to be a billionaire. It's like, yeah, the one in a trillion chance. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm going to think that. I just don't understand how, as a parent, you typically want the best for your child, but then you still instill these. Allow everybody else or allow human suffering to occur and grow callous to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, why wouldn't you want to help these people and just. The, you know, the talking points on all the elections about the the homeless veterans. It's just like, well, you don't care about the homeless veterans. You don't care about them either. Yeah. Yeah. Or now it's critical race theory, you know? Oh, yeah. And I have quite a bit to talk about with that in a bit. But uh, yeah, well, and and I actually was just mentioning this recently that when I was, when we were, I say when I, like I'm talking to people that are older than me. When uh, we were growing up, the history of our <laughs> I'm of our crew was the evol- Darwinism evolutionary theory. That was the that was the boogeyman. That oh they yeah, they teach gonna... they teach evolution in schools, but prayer is banished everywhere. Yeah, and that and so now and like they're they fought that with the same fervor that they fight critical race theory now, and it's so funny that like curriculum for evolution hasn't changed. It's just that they finally like. You have to recycle your boogeyman every, you know, decade or so because people <laughs> suddenly realize that your doomsday predictions aren't ever going to happen. Video uh, game violence is causing mass shootings. It's like how, like, gay people were the targets for a long time, but now society has grown to, like, be comfortable with gay people, so trans people are the problem. Not that the right is okay with gay people. Still. No, 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 but <laughs> no, they, but they but had they to are. pick a different target because yeah. the rest of society has grown okay with right. too okay with gay people. Yeah, see, it was funny because I was I was kind of the outlier in our homeschool community. Like, I was actually allowed to watch Pokemon, and I remember that was like a big thing because of the Pokemon <laughs> Evolve. It's like it's an anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are way worse animes. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or or just I remember hearing about these cuts of like classic movies like Titanic that had like all of the you know suggestive things edited out, and I'm like. 
Oh, yeah. We had a TV guardian growing up that uh, was a box connected to the TV that would scan the dialogue and cut out the profanity and then replace it with and then have a subtitle generated that replaced the word. That's crazy. Yep. But Twitter <laughs> doesn't have an edit option. This is garbage. Yeah. The free Dude, market provides. I remember growing up. I remember. Refresh my memory, Marcus. I don't recall. Did you go on the DC trip with the government class or no? Yeah. yeah okay, I cool. I thought Where so. we met John Cornyn and I missed my opportunity to kill him then. <laughs> I mean, not kill him, but shake his hand. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about something else. <laughs> I meant shake to his kill hand. him with kindness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I remember I had found on on the street somewhere in DC. I'd found an Obama pin, you know, Obama 08, and I remember I put it on, kind of ironically, because like, well, I I remember in the group, I I think I was the only one in the group that actually volunteered on a, a like, Democrat campaign. Um, I was not given the option, and I told my mom that I'm actually really annoyed that I was forced to, without really knowing better, to carry a McCade payload side at, outside of a polling station for extra credit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, like I didn't think it was a problem at the time, but I'm really grossed out by the fact that that was a thing. Yeah, then. yeah, it's, it's it's wild. And I remember like I uh, I was the only one that I recalled, and there might have been somebody else that was like kind of like on the outside of the community like came in late or just wasn't really in the fold that like volunteered on on a democratic or democrat campaign but i remember putting on that obama pin and i remember we were in the metro or something and mrs reed came and like bitched me out and my mom was just like chill out like He's just yeah, being like, it, we did it. I, we that spun sounds it. vaguely familiar. We spun it as it's an ironic thing. Would like, I mean, we were liberal at the time, too. anyways, but we were kind of closeted just because it was like the community was so hostile to it. But yeah, my my mom just kind of spun it. it was like he's doing it as a joke. He found it, you know. Just like, Wouldn't no it be deal. funny if we were liberals? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be uh, funny it be if our brain was we smaller? Voted for Obama? Yeah. yeah, no, there was a lot of, I, I, I think about it frequently. The fact, like, because there was a lot of that, like, parents back then in that community, like, shutting down even like questions of that would lead to a liberal answer. And I just like think about the fact that most of those people still technically are my friends on Facebook and have to see the content <laughs> I post. And that's really what makes me keep posting it. Even when no one interacts with it, I know for a fact that they see it because my mom has told me that people have mentioned that they still follow my posts that I've not spoken to in a decade. And nice. so, yeah, I, I put it out there. And if you guys are listening to this podcast, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because of, I realize I need to fix this right now, but I realize I actually don't follow you. Yeah, I actually had thought that for a while because as I grew more and more leftist, I still never saw you interact with anything that I posted. <laughs> I can't remember when exactly. It was like a few years ago. I think it was like probably right after I moved to New York. I can't remember. I think it was when you were in your super like doomer phase. Oh, that checks out. But I was just like, this shit's annoying. <laughs> oh, when I had like the other account that I was like around with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. when you would talk to yourself, yeah, like, different accounts. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this, this I was, fucking I annoying. was consuming a monstrous amount of alcohol at the time to cope with some some 
life realities that I that was a rough time for everyone involved (laughs) yeah yeah there were a lot of people that were concerned but uh, I didn't even need uh didn't even need to go to rehab or anything like that (laughs) came out clean on the other side look at that it's funny actually uh, we were talking about it what you were just talking about that it was actually the pandemic and at the other extenuating circumstances surrounding just the nature of 2020 that like just completely like launched me into the left as, as far left as I could find camp because like, I was pretty libertarian up to that point. There was a natural progression that without all of last year probably would have led you there anyways. It it would have or taken, me me too in that case, but it would have taken me a little bit longer, like a few more years to get to the point where I am now. But that just like violently accelerated my uh, the aggressive nature of 2020. What was what was really happy is like I I like discovered the Libertarian Party because of Liberty memes and I really got like into them because they were bullying cops on social media. Which <laughs> like so that like it's evidence that I just didn't understand the landscape the political landscape because had I really not been like propagandized about leftism and communism, like I would have realized that there are way better people who I could hate cops with than libertarians. <laughs> they were just the ones that I found at the time. And so when the riots started and all the libertarians suddenly went from, you know, f- the police to comply or die, I realized that they're just a bunch of pot racist potheads. Like they're like, yeah, f- the police when it comes to my marijuana. But when the black people don't like police all of a sudden. And that's like that was that it was actually that exact thing when I saw libertarian pages and libertarian politicians that were like decrying the riots. I was like, OK, I can't affiliate with this party at all like i immediately this is specifically about we all talk behave. about doing. Yeah. yeah yeah like if you're gonna start licking boot then i'm done immediately not even like a gradual progression i'm i'm done who yes, else yeah, hates boot? That's, that's interesting because like i feel like my my like journey was really kind of gradual again i i was really always fairly liberal there was a point in like probably like middle school or early high school that I thought I was Republican just because of like, that's what everybody was. Well, um, yeah. But I remember it was around the Obama time that I was just like, oh no, f- this, this is stupid. And uh, yeah, just like over, over time, I'd always held pretty liberal views, but yeah, it was probably, I think it was around 2018, 2019 that I really kind of discovered more of like the leftist, you know, like the, the bread tubers and, you know, kind of the socialist communities. Where I started like diving more into it and being like, oh, this shit actually like makes sense. And what's, what's crazy is I was like slaps. a self-proclaimed libertarian, but I was like inside of hundreds of left book meme groups, <laughs> not realizing that I was like just lost. Like I would say that I was leftist actually in all, in all actuality prior to that because well, like when I took the most recent nine values test, it gave me the like libertarian communist which sounds like an oxymoron because of american politics but libertarianism is a global political philosophy mm-hmm. that is not associated with the american political party and so i think that the values that the 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 few values that i shared were because of the global political philosophy but i didn't understand because of the way that american government and american politics is taught to us it, to just exclude leftists as existing so the libertarian was as close as i could get to what i wanted even though i was literally in far left meme groups not even realizing it and so yeah i I think that that was 
I think it was always there. And actually, that's what I told my mom, too, recently. I told her that, you know, because whatever I had to come out as not a, a believer in God anymore. I told her, I was like, you know, actually, what's crazy, because, you know, my mom takes any any decision that I make contrary to the way I was raised personally, like it's a fault of her own. And I was like, actually, you know, it's the, like, my mom actually was good. Like, she was the best probably homeschool mom I could have gotten as far as, like, preparing you for real life like considering there's anti-vaxxer homeschool moms and there's anti-science and anti-dinosaur and all those fun things and the creationist how can someone ethically be anti-dinosaur they are cool as hell dude and yeah, i will not like because, i will not take anti-dinosaur slander not, the time. Not, to, not to interrupt here but like to just maybe think about like i still argue with my mom about she's just she she likes I, I she's way too empathetic and so she just like like to attach to everybody and she'll tell me about oh this this you know girl i'm not going to use her real name but i'll call her l'oreal blah, blah, blah. you know so this is going on in her life and i'll have to be like mom she's literally a nurse and she's an anti-vaxxer like i don't have any respect oh, that for is that. the most antithetical like position to take i'm like it's i so really don't gross. care what's going on in her life because of that yeah my yeah and, and like my really mom got us matter. all vaccinated on schedule has always been a big believer in medicine and like so like there's a lot of the and my mom always taught it like taught us like what christianity was like supposed to be like the way it's meant to be taught like mm -hmm. to care about everybody and so i thought it was like the i actually am the way i am because i still fervently believe all the things you taught me and those things can't be accomplished with the religious or political right it's actually be, like i think that that was probably like something that i had to like grapple with after i said that out loud yeah. like like actually it's because of all the it's because of how well you taught me that i can't believe the things that you taught me to believe it's anymore. because of you and your hippie that i'm like this all right yeah <laughs> your <laughs> hippie deity see i because i always did that like the church i had friends who like the youth leaders would be like oh you shouldn't hang out with her because she dresses slightly i was like i don't really care like not only did i not care like from a i was a teenage boy so like <laughs> standpoint but like i just did, genuinely didn't care i was like this is my friend i don't i'm not gonna sit here and like i i don't know try to like preach at them <laughs> i i never understood that the whole like religious like real real, real real friends slut shame each other <laughs> yeah well i mean <laughs> but see Rufus it's funny is a big old slut <laughs> it's funny because i'm genuinely ashamed of this <laughs> i was thinking about this the other day and like i'm not like i don't even think like i'm i'm not like publicly out sorry what, what's it okay i should read a text for yeah no i'm not publicly out as like an atheist or anything like that but i i think like enough people in my immediate like sphere you know understand or like kind of know i think the only person i like actually like kind of came out to as you, you know mm -hmm. as you say is is matt when he came up for my wedding i kind of like mentioned something about it but it was just kind of like a thing and i felt like i needed to like acknowledge it to somebody kind of thing uh, yeah and uh, but yeah i mean i haven't like made any kind of like announcement to like my family and like i just kind of like shuffle over that topic with my mom hey y'all i can welcome I... thanksgiving just so everyone's clear as we eat this turkey i don't believe in god <laughs> exactly. yeah what's super funny is i've never made an announcement on like facebook or anything so there's sometimes people from like way past like either howard Payne or 
beyond or like high school that will have not interacted with me in a long time and think I still believe all those things and try to pin me down with those beliefs. They're like, oh, well, as a Christian, I was like, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, can't, exactly. you can't pin me down with that book and anymore. I think it's like, so tech is not effective in the way you think it is. I remember no power here. at one point, I don't remember what the exact argument was, but I got into like a Facebook argument with like you and like Colton and Holden and somebody else and what you call it oh it was about hunting or something i think and jessica took my phone because she was getting pissed off too and she just wrote and she said something along the lines of like she like basically said something about like oh well i'm just gonna put on there that like you're an atheist because that's basically what you are right and it was like the <laughs> weirdest thing hearing that out loud i was like yeah i yeah. guess like yeah i mean yeah, yeah i mean if putting, we're words, about putting words to it was pretty weird for me yeah. too yeah and same with like saying like i, I like communist like yeah <laughs> the, all, like, all the, the propaganda turns. that makes you feel weird feeling those yeah, yeah. exactly i've and, been told my entire life these are bad things so exactly, say it out loud exactly and, and though i remember intellectually i know it's not correct i think it's yeah. always bad Exactly, exactly. And I remember during that argument, I think it was Holden, he pulled the whole no true Roman thing, or no true Scotsman, sorry, no true Scotsman fallacy. He's just like, well, you know, if you say that, I guess you weren't really a Christian after all. And I was just like, bro, you don't even know how hard I believe. Nailed it. I used to dodge around with conversation points like that because I cared about what people thought. But there was some point towards the end of grad school where something snapped in me and I just stopped caring about because for the longest time, I was it, like, it, it was with profanity was what it started with. And once I started swearing because I stopped caring about the racist people I was interacting with, that's when I also stopped caring what they thought about my beliefs. And mm-hmm. so whenever people were like, oh, yeah, well, this isn't the Christian thing to do. I'm like, I don't care, dude. You really oh, shouldn't real. use foul language when discussing cop murdering a child. Oh, Just yeah. Just because I think he's cool with, with it. Too. Oh, I know I said that uh, black people are more prone to violence, but please don't use swears with me because it's not intelligent. I use the term subhuman one time and you use a a swear word. Well, hey, on that note, I actually need to be wrapping up, but that's pretty much (laughs) everything that was (laughs) on my mind as far as all that kind of stuff goes. It was just like, if if y'all have any strategies or tips as far as like kind of building that class consciousness that I was talking about. And um, just kind of reaching out to, you know, the working class and the everyday people that would benefit the most from, you know, any of this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, feel free to share. I've got, I've got not much. All um, I've got is sharing memes and doing this podcast. I, mean, I do like to have discussions with my coworkers. I try to keep it mild so I don't get PG. overly, like, politicized, I guess. But I like before I left my last job, I did go over a lot of the employees who I knew. I because I was a manager there. I was like, yeah, it's crazy how we can't keep like how I worked at a hotel housekeeping staff in because I don't know if y'all are aware. I would say to them, but like the owner received multiple PPE loans because every individual hotel he owns is a small business, so he profited last year, while all of us like half of them were furloughed. We've all been struggling all year. The owners actually profited off of our labor. That's it's crazy how we can attribute people of extremely extremely well extreme wealth and means with being with caring about working class people when they don't care for their own workers, their own working class employees. Mm-hmm. Right. How can you how can you conflate those two kinds of people when you know firsthand 
everyone knows everyone every employee complains about their boss and management everyone on an individual basis knows for a fact their manager doesn't care if their manager cared at a long enough time frame they no longer be a manager mm-hmm. i've been a manager i don't like being a manager never want to be one again because i care about people exactly and it's yeah. just it's ridiculous because like especially the industries although i think most industries were hit at some point with COVID, the industries that maybe weren't hit as hard that still got PPE loans. And, you know, if you're still operating at a profit, why aren't you sharing some of that extra money? Exactly. Right. Well, and that's that goes back to like the Bezos and the Musk and everybody else who like made vast profits throughout the pandemic and still refused to pay their workers. Right. How do you justify a system that allows the rich people in the world to double their wealth while at the same time their own employees are struggling and huge portions of the population are left destitute? Yeah, millions yeah. are on the brink of eviction now. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how do those two things get to work and the only successful economic system? Because it was the one I was born into. Yeah. Yeah. Or in, in like political instances, I, I kind of swing that back around to like, how do you justify believing this political party when their biggest endorser, their biggest like figurehead is like, first of all, like the Southerners, I, 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 you know, live and work around. How do you justify approving this person when he's a little rich city slicker from New York who's born into his wealth, didn't work for anything and abuses women? How do you justify that? Because he says things you like sometimes. And those things you like are not good things. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Oh, what was it? What was it? They would say, I don't like what he says, but I like the way he says it. Yeah, yeah. That's worse. And so, yeah. You, the... you think he's, he's cool because he's offending Democrats? Well, Dude, but it's not even Democrats option. that are getting offended because like, they're still white people. Do y'all, on, on my closing thought here, do y'all watch Hassan Piker? Uh, my I girlfriend don't. does a okay. lot, so I hear he, him on in the background a lot. He made a really good point in one of his videos. I think it came out like today or yesterday. Uh, he basically said, hey, if you want to own the libs, you got to get vaccinated. Don't <laughs> give the libs the W of watching you die from COVID get vaccinated yeah. <laughs> i yeah. feel like that's just the the speech you got to use with that but anyways um, well i gotta be darden here so i do appreciate y'all having me on to just kind of loosely ramble and chat and catch up yeah that we do here it's an interesting i think that anytime we're gonna have a guest on it's just gonna take its own form because i did, just didn't go how i imagined it would have but it was it was good and uh, yeah i think on that note i think i'll close with the the john stein Steinbeck quote that was socialism never took root in America because the poor see themselves not as exploited proletariat but as temporarily embarrassed millionaires mm-hmm. to answer your question though we're nowhere near done Rufus and I are going to go into the news here <laughs> now but Derek it was uh, good to hear from you it's been a while and yeah, uh, yeah Same glad here. to have you on yeah it's been a it while it's been a while it's been a, been a, a while. lifetime pleasure to meet you now go uh, Ted to your offspring <laughs> spawn all right we'll uh we'll see you later derek we'll keep in touch